Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. You're listening to Bloomberg Law with June Grasso in New York and Greg Storr here in our 99.1 Washington studios. Moments ago, President Donald Trump said he is on the verge of nominating somebody to fill the year-old vacancy on the Supreme Court. We have outstanding candidates and we will pick a truly great Supreme Court justice. But I'll be announcing it sometime next week. And a new name has gained prominence in recent days. It's Neil Gorsuch a judge on the 10th U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals in Denver. Both ABC and CBS say he is now the frontrunner for the nomination. The 49-year-old Gorsuch comes with sparkling credentials, including degrees from Harvard Law School, graduating the same year as Barack Obama, and the University of Oxford. His appeals court nomination by George W. Bush sailed through the Senate in 2006, and over the past decade, he has assembled a solid conservative record. What would Neil Gorsuch mean for the Supreme Court? We have two guests to help us figure that out. Jane Nitza, clerk for Gorsuch on the 10th Circuit in 2008 and 2009. She's now a fellow and lecturer at Harvard Law School. And Eric Citron of the law firm Goldstein & Russell. He looked into Gorsuch's uh, 10th Circuit record for the website SCOTUS blog. Welcome to you both. Jane, let me start with you. Uh, since you uh, clerk for him, just answer a basic question. What is Neil Gorsuch like? Sure. Uh, well, that's an easy question. So... Having clerked for him, and you know, we stay in touch over the years. I can say, first and foremost, just picking off some of the obvious points, he is an absolutely brilliant jurist. Uh, Eric made that point in his blog post, and I think that everyone can agree that he's exceptionally qualified. Um, also, you know, what we what I saw up front um, when I clerked for him is that he's an incredibly good writer. He takes a great amount of care in crafting his judicial opinions, and so it was. It was not unusual for us to go back and forth on drafts, you know, 10, 20, 30, 40 times. I think one draft in our um, uh, resource, 70 drafts um, by the end. And he takes really a, a great deal of care in uh, crafting, you know, his, uh, his opinions. And I think that he, uh, he now is widely regarded as one of the most talented writers on the bench today and, and with, uh, with, uh, you know, with good reason. Eric, um, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Jane. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, I also would say that, you know, he's an incredibly fair, uh, fair judge. What matters to him is not at all his personal policy preferences. Those were never discussed in chambers. Um, the only thing that mattered to him was what the law said, what the Constitution said, and, and that's how we decided the case and what the precedent was, of course. So, Eric, you wrote about him, and you compared him in many respects to Justice Antonin Scalia. Tell us. Yeah, sure. I mean, I think I can't take credit for the comparison. It's one that's uh, that's become pretty common, uh, and I think he's even spoken about it himself. Um, but you know, uh, Justice Scalia's judicial philosophy and Judge Gorsuch's judicial philosophy, I think, uh, interact um, very closely or uh, have a lot of strong parallels. I think that that's clearest on issues of textualism, that is, you know, we should try to read both the Constitution and statutes to mean pretty much what they say in a plain English uh, 
kind of way and not uh, engraft a lot of judge-made ideas onto uh, either the laws or the Constitution. Uh, and that results, I think, in a pretty limited view of the judiciary and its appropriate uh, ken. And, um, you know, I also think that Judge Gorsuch uh, comes across as somebody who cares a lot about, uh, you know, what I would call an objective view of the law. I think he thinks, you know, there are right answers if you just think about it hard enough, uh, pay attention to the arguments, pay attention to the precedents. You will know how the case ought to come out and, um, you know, that, that ideally everybody ought to be able to agree about it. I, I'm not sure if that's uh, a position that makes him moderate or not. You know, I think Justice Scalia believed that and managed to vote on the right side of the court with, with great consistency. Uh, but I do think uh, it, it's somebody who it, – it doesn't strike you as someone who um, – doesn't take the side, the arguments of the other side seriously or the like. He is, like uh, Jane said, he comes across as an exceedingly fair-minded judge. J- Jane, of course, being an appeals court judge is different from being a Supreme Court justice. But given that, uh, is Judge Gorsuch somebody who tends to want to push the law in, in a particular direction, or is he somebody who is more inclined to rule narrowly in a given case? Well, I think um, to the point you just raised in your question, one thing to remember is that the job of the lower court judge is really to follow, in particular, sort of Supreme Court precedent, if it exists. And certainly in chambers, he always wanted to know what the Supreme Court said, and he wanted to follow it. Um, that said, he wasn't afraid to criticize um, precedent where warranted. Um, and quite to the contrary, in the administrative law arena, he has um, been a sort of vocal critic of the Chevron deference doctrines. Um, but it's hard to say. I mean, just speaking generally, sort of narrow or broad, I mean, he really just he, he approaches the case. He looks at the Constitution. If that issue, he looks at the law and he decides the case according to what the constitutional law um, dictates. Eric, he has not written about Roe v. Wade, I understand. From his views on religion, can we figure out what he would think about Roe v. Wade? Is he like Scalia in that way? I mean, to be perfectly honest, I, I would have no comfort making predictions or talking about that, um, not for political reasons, but because I literally have no idea. Um, I will say that the limited, um, ju- you know, the, the sort of judicial minimalism attitudes that come across from his opinions and his attitudes about unwritten aspects of the Constitution uh, would suggest that he's not going to be a particularly strong vote for something like the right to privacy that underlies Roe against Wade because you can't find it in the text of the Constitution. That said, you know, when people reach the court, they can have very different views about things the court has already decided and how much respect they want to accord to their colleagues on issues that have been percolating for those judges for several years uh, and on which you haven't uh, yet had the chance to think as a Supreme Court justice rather than a lower court judge. Uh, and so it's it's just very, very hard to predict how once he gets there, he'll be thinking about questions like that one. It just isn't something he's touched on. I will say also, you know, the religion cases that Judge Gorsuch has been involved in have a lot more to do with questions of pluralism than they do with question than like 
expressing a pro-religious view as such or like voting as a religious person or anything like that. I think Judge Gorsuch definitely has a view like Justice Scalia's and other folks on the court that we're just not tolerant enough of expressions of religiosity in public, which are not really intended to make uh, people of other religions feel like they don't belong or anything like that. I don't think that necessarily translates to a view one way or another about things like Roe. Jane, we only have about a minute left, but but just tell me, as you look at Justice Scalia and what he represented and you look at Judge Gorsuch, uh, where would you see the biggest areas, if any, of of significant differences between uh, the former and the latter? So I think the uh, similarities far away, the differences, to be perfectly honest, on the substance, I think Eric in his blog post pointed out um, the one area where there is some difference, which is the administrative law area. Um, the Justice uh, Scalia was a proponent of Chevron deference doctrine. Um, which means deferring, just, to the, just means deferring to the agency's interpretation it, of a statute, right? Exactly, exactly. Thank you. Um, and Judge Gorsuch has recently come out um, as quite a, a vocal critic of that um, of that doctrine. But in terms of overall judicial philosophy, originalism, textualism, in terms of their you know really sparkling writing ability and style, um, I think they really do share a lot more similarities than not. I want to thank our guests, uh, Jane Nitza, who clerked for Judge Gorsuch, and then later for uh, Sonia Sotomayor on the Supreme Court. Uh, she's now at Harvard Law School, and Eric Citron of the law firm Goldstein & Russell, he too clerked on the Supreme Court. Thanks for sharing your thoughts on Neil Gorsuch, uh, who uh, is reportedly uh, the front runner, or at least a front runner, for the vacant Supreme Court nomination, or vacant Supreme Court seat. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.